All right, grab your Bible with me this morning. You can open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to start with a question. Do you trust the Holy Spirit? You trust the Holy Spirit. Now, this is virtually the exact same question we've been asking all year. Do you trust God? Because the Holy Spirit is God. And so if I ask a question like, do you trust the Holy Spirit? I'm asking, do you trust God? Do you trust the third person that we consider to be the third person in the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Now, to trust someone means you need to have a relationship with them. So what's your relationship like with the Holy Spirit? Because we all probably have a different relationship with the Holy Spirit. What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? Is he an intimate part of your life on a regular basis throughout every single day? Or is he just a nice, interesting theological viewpoint? Because we can range widely. In fact, the beliefs about the Holy Spirit, interestingly, are very different based on your theological understanding of the Holy Spirit. And I find it interesting that most denominations have very, very similar theologies about God the Father, very similar theologies about Jesus Christ, but we vary widely about the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example. Some of you might have been taught that the Holy Spirit was only for the first and second century followers of Jesus. And that after the first and second century, the gifts of the Spirit, the powerful moving of the Spirit, the, the presence of the Spirit kind of died out in the second or third century. Like, kind of like the church needed a kickstart with the Holy Spirit, but then the Holy Spirit just kind of gradually moved away. And, and so now there's this idea that he, he indwells in you for sure, and as you believe in Jesus, and he helps you live for Jesus, but it's not the same power and presence that the followers had in the first century. That's one theological persuasion we have. Some were taught that the Holy Spirit is for today, that uh, the gifts and the fruit and the presence of the Holy Spirit is guiding almost everything in your relationship with God. And then some of us were taught that the Holy Spirit is fighting the demon that burned my toast this morning, but that if I speak in tongues more, that demon will leave me alone. Like there's a wide variety of what we believe about the Holy Spirit, isn't there? And this morning, I want to encourage us to trust the Holy Spirit. For some of us, that will be simple because We've grown up with an understanding of the Holy Spirit. You believe in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But for some of you, I, I know and understand that that might be a stretch. You're not sure what to believe about the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you've never attended a church that taught much about the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to encourage you to notice something in God's word today and possibly change your viewpoint about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit wants to be involved in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. What I'd like us to take away today, and what I'd like us to understand, is that the Holy Spirit helps us live like Jesus. 
We've been talking the past several weeks about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us be a really good disciple of Jesus, to be a good follower of Jesus, to be empowered to live like Jesus. Now, let me give you uh, just a, a quick snippet of what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And these aren't going to be on your screen because I just threw them in a couple minutes ago. In the book of John, Jesus talks the most about the Holy Spirit in, in the Gospels. But, so let me just show you a couple things that Jesus said. In John chapter 4, when he was talking to the woman at the well, he said in verse 23, A time is coming and is now coming when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Now, you'll notice in your Bible in that verse that the word spirit is capitalized, because it's not my spirit worshiping, it's the Holy Spirit helping me worship. And so there's this point where Jesus says there's going to be a time, and the time that he was referring to was after the resurrection and after he went to heaven and after the Holy Spirit was poured out, that you and I, followers of Jesus Christ, would worship the Lord in the Spirit. And the Spirit would help us live for the Lord. If you go to chapter 14, as Jesus is preparing the disciples to, he's heading to the cross, he knows he's heading to the cross. These are some of his last teachings with the disciples. In chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says this, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. What a good thing. The Holy Spirit will remind us what Jesus has said and how to live for Jesus. That's, I think, an important part of our life in Christ. We need to be reminded what Jesus said. And then in chapter 15, verse 26, again, Jesus says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify. For you have been with me from the beginning. So there's this testimony that the Holy Spirit has, but there's also a testimony that you and I have in the power of the Spirit. And then there's chapter 16. Jesus continues this long conversation about the Holy Spirit. And in verse 12, Jesus says this, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth comes, capital S, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive for me what he will make known to you. Here, Jesus says the Spirit will guide us into all truth. What another thing that we need as followers of Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit to help guide us into all truth. See, the Holy Spirit, I'm convinced throughout Scripture uh, in the New Testament, we are reminded that the Holy Spirit wants to help every one of us live like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit also wants us as a corporate church to experience the presence of Jesus in our lives when we're together. 
Now let's take the rest of our time this morning to process this idea together. So follow me for a minute. What are some of the things that Jesus did when he was here on earth that you love and that you cherish about him? Like, think about that for a moment. What are some of the things that Jesus did that you've read in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that you just cherish about him? Let me give you some of mine. Um, when Jesus came, one of the things that I find is extraordinary is how he spoke with just an incredible amount of wisdom. The wisdom that flowed out of Jesus to other people and through his teaching and everything, the wisdom that is applicable to our lives now and the future is incredible. When you think about what he said, it applied to the people in the first century and it applies to us today. That's wisdom. Because most things that we say and that we do only apply to the generation that we're in. Jesus' words have applied to every generation since the time he spoke them to now and every generation in between, and it will be for every generation to come. That is an amazing amount of wisdom. He also had a knowledge, an incredible knowledge of all things on earth, everything spiritual, and a knowledge of the eternal in heaven and in hell that, frankly, we just don't have, but he does, and he began to tell us about that knowledge. He had a radical faith in God the Father. We've never seen anyone since Jesus that had a more amazing ministry of physical healing. The physical healing that Jesus did was incredible as he opened the eyes of the blind, caused the lame to walk, healed lepers of skin disease, and raised the dead on and on. He had miraculous powers that helped him walk on water and feed 5,000 people with just a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread, calm storms and things like that. These are miraculous things, miraculous powers that Jesus had. He would prophesy about events that would happen in his lifetime and things that were still waiting to happen right before he returns. And he could also distinguish between spiritual things. He could distinguish between the demonic and the heavenly, and he could cast a demon out of someone that needed to be free from the bondage of hell. Like these are the things that we saw that Jesus did and that we are astonished by, but that we are perplexed by, but that we love about Jesus. Now look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 with me. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. And to another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. 
All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now here's what we can conclude from Jesus' life and these verses. Number one, that Jesus lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Isn't it interesting that Jesus could do all of the spiritual gifts on the list? Every single one of them? That's because he was Jesus. So the first thing that we see is that Jesus lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we can can conclude that when a follower of Jesus uses their spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit, they are living like Jesus. If Jesus lived in the power of the Holy Spirit, and when you and I use the spiritual gift that God has given us, which is what 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about, and we use our gift for the common good of all of us, then we are living like Jesus. And then number three, we can conclude that when a church has the gifts of the Spirit operating in a pure and orderly way, that church will look like Jesus. When a church that is operating in those gifts and there are times of healing and times of wisdom, times of prophecy, and times of tongues and interpretation of tongues. When those things happen, because of the Holy Spirit's moving, that church will look like Jesus. What else do you enjoy about Jesus? I think there's some other things that I really enjoy about Jesus. Another thing I enjoy about Jesus is that Jesus loved unconditionally. I really like that Jesus loved people like Matthew and Zacchaeus, the tax collector, Mary, the demon-possessed woman, the woman at the well who had uh, an adulterous, she was an adulterous woman and just like given up on marriage, but Jesus just comes along and loves her. And the woman caught in adultery. I love that Jesus had joy and that his joy was infectious. One of the ways that we know that Jesus had joy was even the children would flock to him. And I've noticed one thing about kids. Have you noticed this? That kids flock to people with joy. And they run away from people that don't have joy. (laughs) Kids are a magnet. They love joy. And so Jesus had joy because we know that because the kids were always chasing him around and the disciples were always trying to get the kids out of his presence and Jesus was always scolding them for not letting the kids hang around. That's why, by the way, if you wonder why we let kids hang around at Genie Face Center all the time, that's why. Because they need to be in Jesus' presence. Jesus gave people peace. Jesus said to his disciples all the time, there's a peace that I want to give you. And this peace is different than the world's peace. The peace that I give you will be with you all the time in your hardest times, in your deepest and darkest moments, you'll have the peace of God at work inside of you. And that peace was made possible to us because of the cross and the resurrection. We often see Jesus being kind to people that the world was not kind to, like lepers and beggars. He healed 10 beggars of of leprosy, the paralyzed man that was lowered to him through the roof. We see these moments over and over again where Jesus is just overwhelmingly kind 
And then we see that Jesus was good and faithful over and over and over again as he lives a life without sin, choosing to be faithful to God and his word in every area of his life. And he was gentle. He's gentle to the woman at the well, to the woman caught in adultery, to the centurion whose daughter was dying. Over and over again, we have these stories where Jesus was gentle. And he modeled the greatest self-control the world has ever seen when he let men that he created spit on him and punch him and mock him, scourge him with 40 lashes and then nail him to a cross. Will you look at Galatians 5 with me? Verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So what can we conclude from Jesus' life and the verses in Galatians 5? Well, the first thing we can conclude is that Jesus had all of the fruit of the Spirit operating in his life. That the Spirit was empowering Jesus to love and have joy and be kind and have patience and work on self-control. We can conclude that. We can also conclude that when we live in the Spirit, instead of our sinful nature, that these nine godly qualities become a part of our life and we look and live like Jesus. See, I'm convinced, and I hope you are too, or at least that I can persuade you this direction a little bit this morning. I'm convinced that we need the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit in full operation in our personal lives and in the corporate life of the church in order for us to live like Jesus. If we're going to live like Jesus, then we have to notice that what? 
Jesus lived in all of the gifts of the Spirit, and he lived in all of the fruit of the Spirit. And that if we are going to do the same, live in the power of who Jesus is, then we also need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit alive and working in our lives. Now, let me ask a probing question. If the first century disciples needed the fullness of the Spirit, why would we think we don't? So I mentioned before that there's a segment of the body of Christ, especially in the United States, that believes we don't need the fullness of the Spirit anymore. And here's my question. If the first century disciples needed the fullness of the Spirit, why would we think we don't? Let me take that thought a little bit further. The first century disciples got to experience something very different than you and me. They got to experience Jesus in a much greater capacity because they got to see Jesus firsthand with their own, with their own eyes. They got to touch him with their own hands. They got to be in his actual physical presence all the time. See, they got to experience and see his miracles, his healing, his character, his teaching. They got to see it with their own eyes. Their, their faith in God leapt inside of them as they watched Jesus live in the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. They got to see him die on the cross, and then they got to see him with their own eyes, risen and glorified right in front of them. They got to touch his risen body. They got to touch the nail holes in his hands and the piercing in his side. Those first century disciples, they got to see him walk on water, calm storms, feed 5,000, hang out with Moses and Elijah. None of us have experienced that. None of us have had the privilege to experience and see what the first century disciples saw and experienced Yet Jesus tells those disciples who got to see everything, before you start to share me with the world, go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift the Father would give you, the Holy Spirit. You need one more thing. You've seen me do everything. You've got to be right with me in my physical presence. You've got to see me risen from the dead. You've got to watch me go back to heaven, but you still need one more thing. You're gonna need the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit working in full operation in your life. Now, this is what I conclude. If there was anyone who could have lived without the Spirit, it would have been the first century disciples. They got to see Jesus. They got to experience him. If there, if there was any disciples that could have lived without the Spirit, it would have been them. And Jesus said, no, you need one more thing. You need the Holy Spirit. So if the disciples that walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus, experienced everything that Jesus was and watched everything that Jesus did, needed the Holy Spirit to guide their lives, then how much more do we need the presence and the power and the fullness of the Spirit and all of the gifts and all of the fruit in operation in our lives today? I think we do. So why do we have these hang-ups in the American church about the Holy Spirit? 
Why do we have hangups about the power of the Spirit and the presence of the Spirit moving in our lives and our times together at church? Well, there's probably many reasons. One is that we're a very scientific community. We believe what we can see, and we have a really hard time, and we're really hung up on things that we can't see. Whereas in many other cultures around the world, the spiritual, even the demonic, and the heavenly are working in operation in their communities in a real way, and they see it on a real basis a lot of times, and so it's, it's a very real concept for them, the spiritual world. And so there's no hang-up there. So in the United States, we kind of have an interesting question that we need to ask. Is the Holy Spirit moving what scares us or something else? See, is, is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, in the fullness of the Spirit, what scares us? Or is it something else in the church that scares us? I'm going to contend this morning that I believe it's something else. And I'm almost 100% sure I know what it is. You want me to tell you? It's that people are weird. <laughs> yep. In the church, we get weird and crazy with the Holy Spirit. And people like me and people like you go, I'm out. I don't do weird. I love Jesus but I don't do weird. I don't notice anywhere in scripture Jesus being weird. I just see him being authentic and real and humble and gentle and kind. And so you and I have some challenges because the Pentecostal church and sometimes the charismatic church, we've done weird things. Let me give you an example. Let's say, uh, just for argument's sake, that you and your wife think you hear the Lord telling you to start a new business. And you're not 100% sure, but you both think you're hearing the Lord tell you that he wants you to start a new business. But this is a huge endeavor for you. It's a giant leap of faith for you to quit your two jobs and start a new business. And so you're trying to decide this. You're trying to decide if the Lord wants you to start a new business, if that's him or another voice. So you've been thinking about it. You've been praying about it. You've had a couple other friends praying about it. And one day you come to church and your crazy pastor asks you to get together in some groups and pray right there in your row. And your first thought is what? No, that's weird. But you love your pastor so much that you're willing to do it. So you get together with a couple people right in your row and you pray for a minute. You don't say anything about what God has been speaking to you. And then one of the guys that is praying with you, you get done praying and he says to both of you, I, I don't know what this means, but I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you something. He wants to tell you, I don't even know what this means, so it's just weird, just take it for what. The Holy Spirit wants me to tell you uh, this, go start a new business. I don't know what that means. 
Maybe it means something to you, but that's it. All right, I got to take my kids to church now, to faith kids. And you and your wife just kind of slump in your chair, <laughs> look at each other and smile, because you just got a word of prophecy. You just got a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge spoken over you by the power of the Holy Spirit and by someone that was willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, doesn't that sound good? Here's the problem. That's not how we do Holy Spirit prophecy in the Pentecostal church. How do we do Holy Spirit prophecy in the, Holy Spirit, in, in the Pentecostal church today? In America? It looks something more like this. Richard, God has a word for you today. Everyone say a word for today. God wants to speak to you, Richard. Are you ready? Man, the Spirit's all over me today. Woo! Woo! I gotta take my coat off. Wow, is it hot in here? Is it just me? Is it just the Spirit? Do you feel that heat? Richard, the Spirit wants to tell you something He wants to tell you. Go start a new business. Can everybody say, go start a new business? Richard, in fact, come on down here, Richard. I want to pray for you. And Richard comes down. He's freaked out. <laughs> the prophet grabs him by the head and shakes him and speaks in tongues and pushes him to the floor. And Richard slithers to his seat as he looks for someone else to embarrass in the room. That's how we do prophecy in the Pentecostal church today. And we wonder why people don't want the Holy Spirit. Anybody wonder? I know why. That's stupid. That's weird. Now, here's the huge problem with that. <laughs> the huge challenge with that is both of them got the prophetic word right. Did you notice that? I mean, they both got the prophetic word right. But in one case, Jesus gets all the glory. In another case, the prophet gets all the attention. See, I think, and I'm fully convinced that we don't really dislike prophecy or words of wisdom. We just dislike crazy. I do. And I love the Holy Spirit. I love, I love my Pentecostal heritage and I love living in the fullness of the Spirit, but I hate crazy. I do, because I think all the attention goes to crazy instead of to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I just really dislike that. See, the first way honors the Holy Spirit and the Spirit gets the glory for speaking. The second way puts all the attention on the prophet. Now, I've had both ways happen to me and I much prefer the first. Let me give you another example. Several years ago, Kate and I were at a conference and we had a prophet come to the conference and it was a conference where all, all were pastors in the room. His name was Mark Shaw, and he came, and um, they said, we're going to give a, a, a section of our time together to let Mark just prophesy over the pastors. And so Mark came out, and he brought a stool, 
And he sat down on the stool and he had a microphone and he started just looking over all of us and praying. And he just sat there for, I don't know, maybe five or more minutes. Just, I think just letting the Holy Spirit speak to him about who he wanted to speak to. And then he began to kind of point people out and have them stand and he would prophesy over them. And he was so gentle and so kind and his voice was so soft that you wanted to tell the sound guy, could you turn the microphone up? And as he would prophesy over people, you could tell that he was literally reading their mail. That, that exactly what was going on in their lives, the Holy Spirit had revealed that to him and he was telling them what God wanted them to hear and then he would just simply pray for them. And he probably did that for about five to 10 people in the room. And he did it several times in the meetings that we had together as pastors. But here's, here's what I can tell you. As I sat there and watched him use his gift of prophecy in that way that wasn't crazy, wasn't ridiculous, but it was gentle and kind and pure and orderly, kind of like this other guy I know, his name is Jesus, when I watched him use his gift, there was something inside of me that just was begging that he would prophesy over me. And he didn't. But the point is, I wanted him to. I wanted him to. The way we do prophecy today, I want to run away. I want to run out the door because I don't want to be embarrassed in front of everyone and deal with the crazy. I think as a church, here's the reality that we need to embrace moving forward. And it's this. Let's not let the crazy stop us from believing the authentic. Let's not let the crazy stop us from believing the authentic. Because here's, here's what I know. The Holy Spirit does want to speak to us today. He does want to physically heal people today. He does want to give us words of wisdom when we're struggling. He does want to do those things. He does want to empower us to leave this room and be kind and loving and full of joy. The Holy Spirit is the one that does that. And that's why Jesus said, I'm leaving so that the Holy Spirit can come. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do that. In fact, when every gift of the Holy Spirit is used in an authentic and gentle way, it will be the most profound moving of God in your life. And I think we need that today. I think we need moments where, the Holy, where we let the Holy Spirit move. I think we need to be open to the Holy Spirit moving in our lives. Because when we're open to the Holy Spirit moving in our lives, the Holy Spirit will use you to touch someone else with his presence and power. Now, did you hear me? You might not have heard me. I may have went too fast there. Let me repeat that. When we're open to the Holy Spirit moving in our lives, the first thing you're probably thinking is, yes, oh, that's great. I'm, opening, I'm open to the Holy Spirit moving in my life. No, what I said was, are you open to you 
touching someone else with his presence and power. See, here's what's interesting. Jesus was touching other people with his presence and power, right? And that's what Corinthians 12 and Galatians 5 says, that when you and I live in the fullness of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will use you to touch someone else with the Holy Spirit's presence and power. As you pray for them, speak a word over them, a word of prophecy, something like that. The Holy Spirit wants to use you. Will you let him? Because that's the first step in a church that says we want the fullness of the Spirit, is we all have to say, I'll let the Holy Spirit use me. Because what happens is as you, as you are used by the Holy Spirit, and you say, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's saying. He's just saying, go start a new business. <laughs> and you just speak what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. At some point, if we're all open to the Holy Spirit using us, you're gonna get that back at some point in your life when you need it because we're all open to that. See, when the Holy Spirit moves in powerful ways, Jesus will be exalted. Now, here's, here's what I think. I, I think this needs to be a part of who we are. But I'm going to believe and contend and lead us in a way that is not crazy. Is everybody okay with that? I think, I think we need to be at that place where let's just, let's just be authentic and real with the Holy Spirit like Jesus was, not weird like our flesh does. But let's, let's say the Holy Spirit is real. We recognize that. These are his gifts. These are his fruits. If we want to live for Jesus, we need them. And they need to be in operation in our personal life and in the corporate life of the church. Let me conclude with this. I think we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. In fact, I think we need more of the Holy Spirit in our lives because he helps us in so many ways. He helps us have a passion for God's word. He helps us have a passion for living it out. He helps us turn away from sin and desire righteousness and purity. He empowers us to share Jesus with others. He helps us discover what our spiritual gift is and how to use it in a pure and orderly way. He helps us desire and develop community in the, in the church that encourages each of us to grow in Christ and live for him daily. We need the Holy Spirit. We need him because he helps us live like Jesus. Now, I want to encourage you to, to start a new prayer. I recently heard a podcast from a pastor that started praying this new prayer. He started praying it several years ago, and when he started praying this new prayer, about three weeks after he prayed it, he started speaking in tongues. Oh, he doesn't speak in tongues publicly. He only does it privately in his own prayer time. It's the way that he honors the Lord and honors that gift like 1 Corinthians 14 tells us to and just uses it to enhance his own life and his own fullness of the Spirit. And that pastor is Max Lucado. Now, Max Lucado, for years, if you don't know, has preached that the Holy Spirit gifts are not for today. <laughs> 
So he recently just wrote a new book about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if you want to pick it up, you can pick it up on Amazon. But this was his prayer. And I'd like this to become our prayer too. It's a very simple prayer. It's just this. Holy Spirit, would you give me whatever I'm missing in my life? Would you give me whatever I'm missing in my life? Because I'm convinced that I'm, I don't have all of Jesus and there are things I'm missing. There's more of what Jesus has for me. There's more what the Holy Spirit wants to do in me. And there's more that Jesus wants to do in my life, in our community and in the world. And I, I believe the same is true for you. But that means that you and I have to pray a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, Give me whatever I'm missing in my life. Would you stand with me? Do you trust the Holy Spirit? If you do, then you're okay with him doing whatever he wants to do. Now I'm convinced, as I mentioned before, I don't think, it's my opinion, this is my opinion, I don't think the Holy Spirit does weird things. I think we do. So when I say I wanna open myself to the Holy Spirit, you may have in your head this vision of some crazy Pentecostal meeting you went to sometime. That, that shouldn't be your vision. Your vision should be what, what we see in God's word. And what do we see in God's word? The person that we love the most in God's word is Jesus. And he was full of the spirit, every gift and every fruit all the time. And none of us say what? Jesus was weird. Jesus was some sort of crazy Jesus freak Pentecostal guy. None of us say that. But he was full of the spirit using every single gift, almost every single day, by the way and every single fruit. And he was not weird in any way, shape, or form. In fact, in fact, Jesus was so revolutionary that you and I sit in a seat today, 2,000 years later, because of the fullness of the Spirit in his life and in the lives of others that carried the gospel of Jesus Christ to where you and I are at today. So as we move forward, I'd like us to move forward in, in this way, that we will become people that will say, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me today? What, what do you want me to see that maybe I'm not seeing? What do you want to do in me that maybe I'm just not, haven't been letting you, letting you in enough to do something there? And so we'll just be on that journey together. And in our corporate times of worship, just let the Holy Spirit use you. Maybe you'll see somebody across the room and the Holy Spirit just says, hey, go say this to that person. Just obey. I mean, that's what a disciple is, right? Someone who listens to the Holy Spirit and obeys. So I want to encourage us to be people like that. And there'll be, there'll be lots more that the Holy Spirit will reveal to us as we say, I'm going to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life and in our life as a church. Now, 
Let me say this as a start. Ladies, if you're coming to the Holy Spirit Conference, which I hope you are on Friday and Saturday, you'll get to experience a speaker, Christina, who happens to operate very well in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you. Let that be a first step for you. If, if this is a challenge, um, I want to encourage you to come. And on Sunday as well, she'll be speaking here. And um, she just does a really good job of being gentle and orderly, but also at times um, coming with things that the Lord would say. And I'm kind of trusting that there's that, that might happen next Sunday. It might not, but it might. The last time I saw her speak, she had an entire notebook of things that she had written down, prophetic words for people in the room, and she didn't even know who they were. <laughs> but she discovered them as she spoke in the room and then told those people that she wanted to give them those papers later. <laughs> I mean, this, so these are things that the Holy Spirit wants to do and how he wants to move. And so I just want to encourage us to be open to these things and to just remember that the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us live like Jesus. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we give you thanks and praise this morning. Thank you so much for what you're doing in our church and what you're doing in each of us personally. Jesus, we want to be people that um, just love you dearly and are never closed off in any way to what you have for us. And so, Lord, would you, would you move in us? And we recognize that you poured out the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit, your presence and your power is in the church and in us today because you want to help us to live like Jesus. I pray that you would help us to do that. That this would be our prayer every day. Lord, what am I missing? What do I need that you want to give me? And that we would be truly open to that. And that we would be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I release you with a lot to think about this week. And always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week. <laughs>